Is the idea that grace extends to all people offensive to Christians? It shouldn't be. And most people who claim to be Christian would say they believe that it isn't offensive. But my guest today, the Reverend Professor David P. Gushy, says it seems difficult in the actions of American Christians to see a willingness to risk and to suffer for the marginalized and standing with them and extending grace to all. Gushy says the problem in that, though, is not Jesus. The problem is with the Christian religion in this season. I'm excited to talk to my guest about this subject today. David P. Gushy is an amazing post-evangelical thinker, a distinguished university professor of Christian ethics at Mercer University. He's the chair of Christian social ethics for a university in Amsterdam, author, co-author, editor of over 30 books, including his latest, which is called Introducing Christian Ethics from Front Edge Publishers. He's widely regarded as one of the leading post-evangelical thinkers, and I'm excited to talk to him today. And as you're getting ready for this podcast, would you do me a favor and check out my website, pastor-paul.com. We have all kinds of cool resources there. You can sign up for my Update You Pastor Paul newsletter, tell things uh, that we have coming up, new content coming out, all kinds of cool stuff. Click that button to get the newsletter. And if you would, would you look at our benefits for subscribing to the Pastor Paul community? For as little as $5.99 a month, you get exclusive access to the audiobook version of my novel, uh, Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. It's as little as $5.99 a month. You can give up to $100 a month to say, Pastor Paul, I love your work. I want to see it be sustained and grow and be a part of it all. I hope you'll check it out and join us. Uh, pastor-paul.com is the email address. Don't forget the dash, pastor-paul.com. And I'll be forever grateful for you taking a look and being willing to help out. Now join me in talking to our guest, David P. Gushby, Christian ethicist and post-evangelical thinker on this edition of the Post-Evangelical Podcast. David P. Gushy with us today. I tend to see the Samaritans as the group that the religious or the, you know, sort of the prevalent cultural religion of the day saw as people they were permitted to otherize yeah. and look down upon and, and see as people not worthy of God's favor. And certainly historically, the Jews felt the Samaritans had stolen their land, had bastardized their religion, and they felt fully justified in hating those, those people. And so when Jesus affirms them and as a, as a Jewish teacher, yeah, it makes them really angry. And, and so I think if we're not sitting with the marginalized groups and making people of our own religion angry with us, sitting with the Muslim or the LGBTQ plus queer trans person, to a point that we're upsetting our own church. I don't think we're looking like Jesus. Uh, I think that's right. Um, and you know, the story of the Syrophoenician woman, um, where you know where Jesus ends up extending grace to her, right, and her daughter. 
um, the Roman centurion. And, and, and when he, when he goes on to say, never have I seen such faith in all of Israel, you know, it's just, he's just telling what he's seeing, but it's so offensive, uh, yeah. to the pride, uh, you might say, uh, of his people. Um, just this grand expansive vision and this grace that extends to all and this willingness to, to risk and to suffer for standing with the marginalized. Um, you know, your, your podcast is called the post evangelical podcast, and I'm dealing with a lot of post evangelicals these days. And I've written uh, four post evangelicals. And one of the things I'm trying to say is the problem is not Jesus. Jesus is not your problem. The problem is the church and what the church has done mainly to silence Jesus or bypass Jesus or neglect what he actually taught. So I, I, one reason I'm writing this new book, I mean, I've tried in different ways, is I'm trying to say to post-evangelicals, Jesus, Jesus is awesome. And, and so you can find life and hope and courage and toughness and resolve and justice with him. You don't need to. You don't need to make up a new religion or abandon all religion. Uh, Jesus is great, um, but but the critique that that ends up leading to, or to what is what Christianity has made of Jesus, is pretty stark. But the problem is not Jesus. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it seems to me like that was the message of Jesus: is I'm I'm not speaking against my religion. I'm speaking about how it's being executed today by these religious leaders and. Seems like a, a, a same type of season. And I, I'm dealing with the same people every day who have left their church because of its politics, mostly because of its politics, I think, or at least that was the breaking point. And you've talked about how you've seen the church change. And in our conversation before I came on, you said 2015 was kind of a seed year for change in evangelicalism. And how, how did you see that? You know, I mean, the idea that people have been leaving evangelicalism and disillusionment, I mean, it goes back for a while. Uh, I, I know people of an earlier era, so people who taught me, who got disillusioned in the 60s when they saw uh, white evangelicalism in particular siding against all the um, social change movements of that era, right? Yep. Um, and... Um, so the, you know, you go back to the sixties, but then, you know, the birth of the Christian right and the marriage of evangelical and fundamentalist Christians, white ones with the Republican party was another major disillusionment. Um, and that was kind of status quo for about, I would say about 30 years, 35 years. Um, but the period from the election of Barack Obama forward, I think, uh, has led to an acceleration of toxicity in the white evangelical community in the U.S. The brutal, quite thinly veiled or not veiled at all racism during that period towards Obama, um, the otherizing of him and his family, right? Um, the um, the the LGBT question began to accelerate. I wrote a book called Changing Our Mind that came out in 2014, in which I very carefully worked through the argument for reconsideration. 
and it looked for about five minutes like a lot of evangelicals would reconsider. But the power structure said, no, thank you. And it came down hard on anybody who would wanted to reconsider that mm -hmm. that drove a lot of people away. And, you know, who's most hurt, of course, is uh, LGBTQ people themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, and their families who are trying to and their friends who are trying to support them. Um, the Me Too movement, um, uh, you know, in the revelation of sex abuse and, and uh, grotesque misogyny in the churches has been another major source of exodus. Women mm -hmm. um, and others who have seen women be mistreated, abuse be uh, shoveled under the rug and so on. Right. That was another one. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, yeah. define that a little bit, because I have Christians all the time are like, we're not misogynist. We don't hate women. How do you define misogyny in the church? Are you rethinking or deconstructing your faith? Are you a person like so many of us who has left your church behind, but not your faith or spirituality? Well, don't walk that journey alone. Thanks for letting me interrupt this conversation to introduce you to my Deconstruction You mentorship. If you're asking yourself questions like, who is God? Is hell real? Or do I even need to believe in hell? What does the cross mean to me? And how do I look at the Bible? Then Deconstruction You is for you. As a mentee of Deconstruction You, you'll receive five study guide lessons that take you through biblical foundations that not only say it's okay to rethink some of these things, but actually a command of the Bible. And you'll get group meetings with other people walking this journey like you. And maybe best of all, you and I will have five one-on-one -on -one Zoom meetings together where, where we'll talk through what your faith looks like in this season. Let's walk this journey together. Go to my website, pastor-paul.com, and look for Deconstruction You, where we can start the journey of rethinking faith together. Leaving your church doesn't mean you have to leave faith or spirituality behind, or even Jesus, if that's a meaningful thing in your life. And for just signing up today, you're getting a special ebook free from me called The Making of Joseph. It's an ebook that tells my story of writing my novel called Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong. And the ebook contains three free chapters of that book as well. So go right now to pastor-paul.com, sign up, get the free ebook, and let's start walking the journey of deconstruction together. Don't walk it alone. I love walking alongside people, rethinking their faith with great courage. You're amazing. And I promise you, God is not mad at you for that process. So join me in Deconstruction You. And now back to our podcast on the Post Evangelical Podcast. How do you define misogyny in the church? Well, um, sometimes flat out patriarchal theology that, you know, God is male and Jesus is male and God wants men in charge of everything and women are supposed to submit in every quadrant, right? Um, sometimes flat out toxic masculinity as described in Kristen Dumay's book, Jesus and John Wayne. Great book. Um, yeah, great book. And, and, then, and then, you know, the, the good old boys club kind of protecting each other when men mistreat women or children and are accused and then find a way to to uh, escape accountability. And then, you know, to finally to, to round off my little narrative, the rise of Trump 
the embrace of Trump by white evangelicals, the more grotesque he, the things he said, the more evangelicals seem to adjust and adapt to be okay with it. That has been a major source of exodus as well. Before that, you had problems related to like, you know, rigid views of biblical inerrancy or opposition to evolution. You, you know, you can't be a Christian and believe in evolution or or even now, uh, you know, climate change is a hoax because after all, those scientists are a bunch of pagans who want to, you know, make us all communists or whatever. Right. It, um, in, in the early 2000s, evangelicals were the leading group supporting the U.S. torturing captives in the war on terror. It was evangelicals were the leading supporters of that. I worked against that during that time. Wow. Whatever the issue is, evangelicals have tended to be on the wrong side. Um, but it really accelerated after 2012. And so millions of people have left. And I think you and I are both trying to pastor some of those who have left um, in disillusionment, sometimes tremendous trauma and pain. And are staunchly pro-military. And I'm not necessarily speaking against the military. And I certainly appreciate people who are who put their lives on the line for something they believe in. But have we not justified horrendous acts as a country through our military by declaring our inherent goodness as a country? And in some ways, I, I kind of always attribute it back a little bit to actually, we just want really cheap gas. And we're seeing that here in this election cycle. Like, will justify bombing people groups because at the end of the day we need our gas to be cheap <laughs> so you know i saw i saw a headline in this election cycle that summed up reasons for despair i'm trying not to live in despair it's not a good place to live right yeah. but the headline was in the new york times something like most americans express concern for democracy but will not vote on that basis right, right. Uh, but like inflation and gas prices are more salient, you know? So you remember, uh, was it, was it, uh, Isaac or who was it who traded his birthright for a mess of stew? Uh, Esau. Esau, uh, yeah. traded his birthright for a mess of stew. I mean, would we really be willing to trade a functioning democracy for lower gas prices? You know, um, Yes, we would. Yes, we apparently would, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I have a book that is done and it's coming out next year called Defending Democracy from Its Christian Enemies. And I analyze in that book um, how is it that Christians became so casual or even opposed to normal democratic processes. And we're willing, it looks like a lot of Christians around the world are willing to trade democracy for a powerful role for Christians in society. Yeah. Versus for the laws to look like what they think they should look like, even if it, even if that means you set aside democracy and just impose them. I mean, so I think that's a really bad trade. And I think there's a lot of good reasons why Christians should support democracy. But to trade democracy for lower gas prices uh, or uh, maybe a better price for your groceries, I mean, Maybe we're not worthy of democracy anymore if that's if that's really how we're functioning as a people. Um, yeah, and, and I I see it in our dis, despi, despising of of Islam and certainly Arab Islamic countries and and those countries 
sometimes do terrible things through the imposition of their religion and the civil law, kind of like ours is trying to do in some ways. But at the same time, we put dictators over those countries and propped them up and, and again, have bombed them mercilessly and have to, I think, own, again, that Christianity tends to to get behind that. And, and you mentioned Kristen Dumay's book, Jesus and John Wayne, and I was really privileged to talk to her early on when that book came out. And I was a little bit hesitant to jump in with her premise that Christians didn't, you know, she said in that, that interview I did with her, she said, Christians didn't hold their nose and vote for Donald Trump. Donald Trump is exactly the guy they want. And I was a little bit like, eh, but it, it does. It seems like, and, and maybe it is the patriarchal authoritarian nature of God in the Bible and his tendency to want to wipe out people groups that we have embraced the idea of authoritarianism to put us in power today. You know, it was a very provocative thesis. Um, I sat with Kristen at a conference about a month ago, and, you know, she took tremendous abuse for writing that book, mm. right? But Again, it's it's called Jesus and John Wayne, and and I, will, I join you in highly recommending that book yeah. to people. Um, so, so that this is one reason why, why uh, a lot of us have felt that these Trump years, may they end soon, but that these Trump years have been revelatory. Mm -hmm. You know, the word in Greek, apocalypsis, means unveiling or revealing, right? These years have been apocalyptic in many different ways, dramatic, scary, Armageddon, you know, it always feels like we're one, we're just one crisis after another. But that meaning of apocalypsis as revealing or unveiling, mm. basically what Christian was saying was the Trump phenomenon was a revealing, an unveiling of a of a of a toxicity that had characterized a significant chunk of the evangelical community in the U.S that there would not have been a responsiveness if, if there had not been a readiness, right? Um, one image I've used is Christians should have had the antibodies for the virus called Trumpism. Mm. We should have had the antibodies. We, 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 we didn't need a vaccine. Uh, we, should have, we should have known from our training in scripture, from how we were raised by our Christian parents, if we were so fortunate, um, we we should have known better. This is just not okay. We know this is not okay. We don't need anybody to tell us. It's obvious. And for a lot of Christians, they'd react that way. But then they found themselves surrounded by other Christians who were like, no, this is good. This is fine. Yeah. This is who we want. And this has been so painful for many people. I've had students. I teach college students and seminary students here at Mercer. I've had students say, I don't even know what has happened to my parents. Yeah. I don't recognize my grandparents. They they trained me better than this. They know better than this. They've changed. Yeah. Right? So there's a lesson there that an ethicist would want to pass on. Um, evil is 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 viral. And when we when we open our ourselves to it, uh, you never know what's going to happen. 
and and evil is beyond individual it's it's group and so i think we've witnessed a kind of a a spread of an evil in white american evangelicalism that has gone viral and it is ugly and it is toxic and we should have had antibodies you know an interesting comparison paul in the state of utah a very conservative and very Republican state, they were less receptive to Trump than, for example, Southern white evangelicals were. Right. There was something in the Mormon subculture that, that seemed to provide at least a higher percentage of antibodies. So that when, um, you know, he, he had much more trouble kind of getting the full allegiance of Utah Mormons but didn't have much trouble getting the full allegiance of Alabama Baptists. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, it may go back where your your statement on your website where faith meets the problems of the world. Maybe maybe Mormonism teaches a little bit better that that there should be outward signs of your belief, uh, whereas Christianity is just like I said the magic prayer and I'm good now. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's worth examining. Some, some, um, maybe there are some researchers right now examining why it was that uh, predominantly Mormon Utah had had a, had more resistance. And we're actually getting another test of it tomorrow because you have the independent candidate um, Evan McMullen running against Mike Lee uh, for the Senate seat. Um, McMullen is a conservative Mormon, uh, but but he says Mike Lee has been infected by Trumpism. And and so we'll see whether the voters are, you know, are willing to, to make that change. Um, so it's a good question for all of us. How are our antibodies doing? How how is our discipleship and are we able to resist the temptations that come our way? Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. It's it's a it's a fascinating time that we're in. Um, so how do you see? Post evangelicalism going? How? What would you speak into the the universe? As I sort of say, we're we're after this Jer Jeremiah uh, again. Jeremiah five. I like to go to, and it ends with this statement of you know a terrible thing is happening in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. Mm -hmm. The leaders are leading out of the words of the prophets, and my people like it that way. But what will you do when the end comes? And as we know, the end came very ugly. Uh, for that season of time for uh, for uh, religious people. I'm not so sure we're not in somewhat of a similar time where we're going to see some things start to break down in our in our systems, perhaps. So how do you see, uh, what are you calling out for a post-evangelical world? Um, well, I mean, it is possible that our democratic system is in the process of breaking down. And and we may be dealing with problems that are unprecedented in our life experience. Now, it is it helps to remember that Christian practice does not depend on democracy, though I think we should support democracy. Um, but we may find ourselves in a situation of tyranny or anarchy or violence in which, once again, we will be tested in terms of how we follow Jesus, whether we can be peacemakers and bridge builders. Um, but in terms of post-evangelicalism in general, institutionally, what I think is happening is that every evangelical denomination is shedding people. 
Okay. So think about yep. it. Baptists. At record Baptist, rates. A vineyard. Assemblies of God. Evangelical Covenant Church. Calvinists. Um, you know, Charismatics. You name them. The whole group. All of them. They're all, they're shedding dissidents. Um, institutionally, we have to ask, what is going to become of churches on the evangelical side? Are they just going to become more hard-boiled and hard-bitten, right? On the post-evangelical side, what kind of churches are being formed or will be created or evolved to meet the needs of post-evangelicals? And what other kinds of community spaces? You know, I've been in some interesting conversations of the last uh, month or so, two months, with people who are attempting to innovate post-evangelical churches and networks. Yeah. The, the podcast space is important um, because that's where people are finding community, but we also need flesh and blood community too. You know, we need churches, people can meet, we need friendship groups, we need conferences. And so what I think is that there's going to be a post-evangelical um, network or network of networks that is, that is being born right now. Mm. I was, as a minister, I was ordained as a minister of the gospel, and so I care about what happens to people. I think we're in a fairly desperate quest to not lose millions of post-evangelicals to Christian faith because they've been so disillusioned. So, I, you know, person by person, church by church, podcast by podcast, I am pleading with post-evangelicals to not give up on Jesus. Um, but so there's there's also therapeutic. Uh, sector here. There's a number of young people, especially whose experience of church has been PTSD inducing. Yeah, They're in therapeutic need. And so counselors who can deal with religious trauma are going to be more and more in demand. These are some of the things that I'm thinking about these days, right? Yeah. You know, what's going to happen with like education? If evangelical schools get discredited, you know, does everybody just go to secular schools? Are there going to be some some educational options to develop, right? What do we read? Who do we listen to? I think it's actually something new being born, and I'm excited about that, but there's also a lot of uh, uncertainty about how that's all going to evolve. Yeah. Sometimes it takes the death of one thing to fertilize the next, and yeah. um, I do believe Isaiah, what is it, Isaiah? 49, you know, don't, don't look to the former things, but see the new thing I'm, I'm doing, it's springing up. And so I think you're, I think you're seeing something there. So davidpgushy.com is the website. You can see it on our video feeds and hear it here on our podcast and at dpgushy, G-U-S-H-E-E is where you can find David. And then the book is Introducing Christian Ethics. That's out from Front Edge Publishers. And you mentioned the other book about democracy. Tell us what that one is, David. Yeah. Um, the sequence that I might direct people to is they could read uh, Changing Our Mind, which is about LGBT inclusion. That was 2014 with Front Edge. Um, they could read After Evangelicalism, which came out uh, with Westminster John Knox. And that's kind of a my first shot at a path forward for post-evangelicals. And then Introducing Christian Ethics is the one you mentioned. And the book that will come out next year is called Defending Democracy from Its Christian Enemies. That'll be with Erdman's. That'll mm -hmm. come out in the fall of 2023. So Amazon and all the usual places to all, find it's it. all there. Yep. Okay. Very good. Well, David, uh, just a pleasure to talk to you and love, love the sharing the idea of don't give up on Jesus. I think that's 
a really important message. So good talking to you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on your podcast and uh, all the best with your work.